When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. You know about our teams. Protect your brother today, man. Don't leave nothing on this field. <laughs> but how well do you know this week's opponent? Let's go behind enemy lines. Yes, indeed. Time for a little behind enemy lines once again as we welcome you back in here to hour number two on this football Friday of the Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. We took care of the Jets' week one opponent last night with the Ravens. Now we look ahead to the Giants' week one foe. That would be the Tennessee Titans. And joining us now is Teron Davenport, who does an outstanding job covering the Titans for ESPN, and he's nice enough to give us a couple of minutes. Teron, it's Dan Grassa. Thanks for joining me tonight. Welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? Dan, what's going on? I'm doing well. Hope you are also. Oh, no complaints, my friend. It's a football Friday. The season is upon us. Nothing can be better than that. We've waited long enough for it. Let's talk about uh, this. Yeah, right. Let's talk about this team you know so well. Back-to-back division titles, but in those two years, they're also one and done in the playoffs also. Now both the GM and the head coach got contract extensions. Where would you rate in terms of the pressure right now on the scale for the whole organization and the powers that be? Yeah, I think the pressure is high, and that's not from anything on the exterior. That's from the people who are inside St. Thomas Sports Park where they have their facility. That's where the pressure comes from. It's a winter Super Bowl or nothing. And, uh, I mean, that's pretty much the the mindset that these guys have. And every uh, past few uh, years where they had, a, you know, one and done in the playoffs. It said 31 other teams felt this feeling. So that lets you know right there is it's 31 teams and all of them are disappointed. And there's only one at the end of the year that's happened. No doubt about it. Now, we know that the guy who is the key and the one who makes this engine go, it's Derrick Henry. Um, he's behind mm-hmm. the foot issue. and We know how much he was missed last season when he went down. Do you think that he's going to return right off the bat, Teron, to a normal workload, or do you think that they're going to try to bring him along slowly here in the early part of the season? Well, they're saying the flow of the game is going to really dictate how that is, but what's funny to me is when I talked to offensive coordinator Todd Downing, he said that he wanted to dictate the flow of the game. So that tells me, yeah, they're going to run the football because – They've uh, had that mindset, and regardless of who's been in there, they had a mindset that they're going to be physical on offense, and that starts with running the football, even when Derrick Henry wasn't out there with uh, Deontay Foreman, Dontrell Hilliard, and at times Adrian Peterson. They're going to continue that same type of formula, but now they got Derrick Henry there in in the backfield, and and he's ready to go just in watching some of the things he's been able to do during our training camp. When they did have him in pads and, and, and working in practice on inside runs, you know, you saw physicality there. He got his reps uh, during team period ramped up towards the end of camp, and you, you saw him, you know, just kind of put that foot in the ground and, and explode upfield. So I, I think he's in good shape and ready to go, and that's what yeah. he said. 
Yeah, good luck trying to tackle that thing when it's coming at you as fast as it is. Yeah. Uh, no thanks. <laughs> now, yeah. what's going to make, you know, Derrick Henry being back in the lineup certainly is going to make the quarterback's job a lot easier. And Ryan Tannehill's one of these guys, you know, he, he had a little bit of a career resurgence, of course, there in Tennessee, and he became the guy. He got yeah. a nice contract and everything, but... I, I don't know, even to outsiders maybe a little bit to run, it's just that it never seems that he can fully 100% convince folks that he is the long-term answer. You think that's a fair assessment? It's a very fair assessment, and that just seems like that's going to always be the case. From now, with him getting a bit older, like more advanced in age, it's really going to be harder for him to convince anybody that he's a long-term if the Titans should move on from him at, at, at some point. But, you know, the Titans themselves, they feel that he's their, their he was their long-term. You know, we'll see what happens in the coming years. But they committed to him, and they felt that he was the guy, and they doubled down on that after the season. You know, Mike Vrabel said that he, he's the quarterback, and he commended him for being such a leader and those type of things. Uh, but they know how age works, and eventually you know, all, all players, you know, they, they do have to move on. Malik Willis, they draft him in the third round out of Liberty. A lot of people thought that he would go even earlier than the third round. I, mm-hmm. you know, I liked what I've seen from him or what I saw from him out of preseason. I liked what I saw him out of the Senior Bowl. I think, and this is just me, you tell me what you think, I think Malik Willis might take over the reins of this football team from Ryan Tannehill before the year is over. What do you think about that? I mean, you never say never. I don't think it's likely because Tannehill has had a really good camp, and and Willis has had a solid camp himself, and he showed improvement from week to week. But it it really depends on how this Titans team. Like, if if Tannehill just completely craps the bed, hey, you know what? There's a good possibility. But they are are taking a very slow-cooking type of approach with him, and they, they want him to come along gradually. That being said, if he's running team, you know, scout team and, and making things happen, you never know, uh, you know, and it, it just depends. Uh, injuries, another thing to factor in, although Tannehill has been relatively healthy throughout his time here in Nashville. So you never know. I don't think it's likely, though. Teron Davenport covers the Titans for ESPN. He's joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Wide receivers, a little bit of a different look as far as the cast of characters is concerned. A.J. Brown, Julio Jones out. Robert Woods, Traylon Burks in. You think they've upgraded the position? Ah, that's that's a good question. I think collectively they may have done so, but it's just hard to say a team is better without a premier talent like AJ Brown. Yeah. So that one is just one of those to be determined kind of things. We have to see how Traylon Burks is able to come along. He's a very similar player to AJ in that he is a, a catch-and-run guy, big body that, that defenders will bounce off of and has the speed to stretch you know, stretch the field and get vertical at times, too, you know, and win the combat, uh, combat catches. And then there's a rookie, another one, fifth-round pick, Kyle Phillips, who will man the slot. He won that slot position very quickly. So you have those guys. You bring in Austin Hooper. That's an upgrade at tight end. So they upgraded in certain areas, right, because they didn't really have a true – slot guy that you know you have run those choice routes and and do damage on third downs I think Phillips is going to be that so it's just kind of a push right now 
Yeah, I mean, look, at A.J. Brown, I mean, Giant fans are going to get sick of seeing him now that he's wearing an Eagle uniform, oh, yeah. so they're going to have to deal with him twice. You're right about that. Julio, look, I mean, you know, Julio could change his jersey number, all this other stuff. I mean, his best days are probably behind him. He hasn't <laughs> been able to stay on the yeah. field. But but Robert Woods is intriguing to me, Teron, because, look, I mean, we know how good this guy was once upon a time, but the injury last year, of course, you know, didn't allow him to be part of the Super Bowl chase there with the Rams. How has he looked? I mean, does he look like he is ready to go back to being, you know, an every down wide receiver for this team? I tell you, I was shocked that he was on the field for OTAs, being as though he tore the knee in, in November. But he managed to get out there, had the brace on through OTAs and minicamp, and the training camp started, and there's no brace. And you see them doing drills where he's cutting off of that left foot. He actually had a, a catch on uh, during a, a team period where he jumped off of that left foot and went up in the air and, and grabbed the ball. So I would say that he's getting closer to himself. I don't think that he is himself. Uh, I, I haven't seen him in, in person consistently before this camp, but I would imagine that he was a bit quicker in and out of his routes and just a little more sudden because he, in my opinion, was one of the top route runners in the league. Defensively, let's flip over to the other side of the ball. They have a big loss with Harold Landry, who lands on IR. I mean, that's one of your top pass rushers out of the mix. He isn't a household name yet, but anybody who watches football should know. Jeffrey Simmons is a beast. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, this guy, you hope by the end of the year, will explode into people's homes, and, you know, he's a little bit more recognizable. But, I, I mean... That's a premier player you have on this defensive line, at least in terms of the front seven. Do you like what this team has going into the season? Yeah, you said it all with, with Jeffrey Simmons. And if you don't know, one way you can come to know is watch that divisional game against the Bengals last year. You could also watch the Rams game. This guy is just, he's a, a, a wrecker. Like, he just yeah. wrecks shop. So you start there. And he's occupying double teams and doing what he has to do. But another guy that's relatively under the radar is Danico Autry. And you're talking about a guy that his hand is just so violent and he is able to come off that edge. He had nine sacks last year, you know, so he's someone that gives him versatility, hand in the dirt or standing up. So you got that. And even though they lost Harold Landry, Bud Dupree last time I checked was a pretty good player before he got hurt. So that is a, a viable option for them as well. In essence, the replacement for Hal Landry is Demarcus Walker, who is going to play that five technique kind of uh, position. Mm -hmm. And that's where Danico Autry was, but Nico Autry is now going to outside linebacker. So you see that look a little bit more. Um, it's going to be tough, though, making up for the loss of Landry. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was fifth in pressures uh, over the last three years, you, you know, we're talking about a guy who had 12 sacks last year. Seven of them came on third down. So make no mistake about it. When it was time to make a play and get off the field, he was the guy doing it. Uh, well, one thing is for sure, you know, let's say if, you know, that front group is maybe trying to, you know, find their way out of things early in the season and whatnot and trying to figure some things out. That secondary is more than capable of compensating for anything that you might not be getting up front. I mean, that to me is probably, when healthy, that's a top five secondary maybe in all the NFL, don't you think? They're a very good secondary. Um, I'll, I, I don't quite put them top five yet. I still think there's question marks about that right corner position, whether it's Caleb Farley or Roger McCreary. Right, the kids have to progress Both at guys. corner, right. Yeah, yeah, but, I, you know, I, I think on paper, I mean, you have 
anytime you have a, a secondary with, you, you know, Amani Hooker who just signed his deal and Kevin Byard, that right there is, is, is top shelf. And Christian Fulton is a, is a darn good left corner as well. So I, I get what you're saying. Uh, Elijah Molden is going to be out for this game, but he's a really, really good slot corner a guy you could blitz, he'll come up and, and support against the run, and he's he's decent in coverage. Uh, right now, the nickel package is going to be uh, McCreary at, at, at nickel with Farley and Fulton on the outside because Molden is out. And Kevin Byard, one of these safeties that, I mean, people should know already. I mean, he's he's got a nose for the football. He's your prototypical center fielder. So uh, if I'm Daniel Jones yeah. or any other quarterback they're going to face, make sure you know where number 31 is in that secondary because he's always trying to make a play out there. Long range here, when you look at this team, Teron, for the upcoming season, you know, they, they've won the AFC South back-to-back years. And I, I know things can happen, and there's always a team that comes out of the woodwork, but the way things stack up to me – it's probably a two-horse race again in this division, right? It's either Tennessee right. or Indianapolis. Is that how you see it, too? Yeah, that's how I see it. You know, uh, Houston is a team that could come out of the woodworks. Uh, Jacksonville is pretty, uh, you, you know, headed back in the right direction. But I think those two teams, the Colts and Titans, that's where it's at. Uh, they're the strong teams, and it's just interesting because they both feature – uh, a, a different type of attack on offense and that they run the football, like they focus on it. Ironically, Houston went out and got themselves a pounder as well, and Damon Pierce out, out Pierce. of Florida. So we'll see how that works, you know. Violent running. There's nothing wrong with that in the NFL. A little old school. <laughs> nothing wrong with that, Teron. Yeah, love to see it. Absolutely. Well, Teron, thanks for a couple of minutes for uh, shedding some light on the Titans tonight. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the game on Sunday and enjoy the season. We'll be talking to you real soon, my friend, but thanks for setting aside some time. Yeah, for sure. Since this is a New York station, man, I got to get my Let's Go Mets. And oh. I've been a Mets fan since 83. Used to go to Shea back in the day when I, when I lived in, in Jamaica and Jackson Heights. So I, I got to get that in there. You know what, Teron? I knew I liked you. Like you even more now, but unfortunately, we're not getting it done tonight down in Miami. We're losing three to one in the fifth yeah. inning, so we still got some work to do here. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> All right, Teron, you be good, man. I appreciate you. All right, take care. All right, there's Teron Davenport, covers the Titans for ESPN, and a Met fan, New York guy, Met fan. See, he's that's that's what you like to see. Uh, 800-919-3776. So you heard what he had to say. We come back. We'll get some phone calls. I know people want to get in on the baseball here still. And also got to talk about what happened last night in the NFL season opener where the Bills just laid the reminder that, yeah, if you pick them to go to the Super Bowl, you might not be too far off. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. We're taking it until 10 o'clock tonight. Then it's the weekend wager with Anita. She'll take you the rest of the evening at 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Mets getting beaten up by the Marlins. It's 4-1 in the fifth inning. David Peterson, who was starting for Max Scherzer, remember, out of this game, didn't even make it through four innings. And now Tommy Hunter's come on and basically just lit fire to the game as the Marlins are continuing to tack on here in this fifth inning. Yankees, meantime, they're still in a one nothing hole against the Rays. That one's still early, though. They're going to the third inning at Yankee Stadium. Let's go to the phones. Rob in Massachusetts up next, 98.7 ESPN. Robbie, how we doing? Hello, Rob. Rob going once. No, we'll get back to Rob. Maybe we lost him somewhere on the road. You know, Massachusetts, New York, it's a long ways. You know, sometimes the call drops. That happens. What is happening, though, at Yankee Stadium tonight? And we didn't get a chance to talk about this. You see the lineup that Aaron Boone put together this evening? I I mean, I know that there's a rhyme or reason to things. I just, you know, can't figure out that rhyme or reason. I know that they've got nothing to work with. And everybody who's everybody is injured right now. You know, LeMayhew's on the I.L. Stanton still isn't playing yet. You know, Rizzo's gone. Benintendi's gone. Aaron Judge is the only guy worth anything in this lineup right now. I I think we all realize that. But he's got Aaron Judge batting leadoff. And when I saw that this afternoon, I said, huh? I thought it was a misprint. Aaron Judge hitting leadoff. And they got Isaiah Kiner-Falefa hitting cleanup. So IKF, who now is what, up to a grand total of three home runs? You know, I guess that they feel confident that, you know, this power surge is something that's contagious and it's going to stay for uh, the Yankee shortstop, even though tonight he's playing third base. I I mean, it's just you've got nothing to work with right now. You know, you look at this lineup, and again, it's like, who scares you? Who do you take seriously if you're an opposing team? Like, you think Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay – You might not agree with the way they go about doing their business, but they are the ultimate mix-and-match team, especially with the way they do the bullpenning and they distribute their pitching, always trying to get the upper hand when it comes to a matchup. They looked at this lineup tonight and they said, really? Like, you think we're worried about this? Drew Rasmussen, who started tonight for Tampa and who's pitched very, very, very well. He was flirting with a perfect game a couple of weeks ago against the Baltimore Orioles. You think they're sweating this Yankee lineup tonight? But let's just try to, uh, like, sometimes the logic when batting somebody leadoff, for example. You know, you say, okay, well, it kind of extends the lineup because when the bottom of the order starts going then it's almost like, wow, right back around to your big hitter there and judge because you have that much faith in the bottom of your order to be able to go out there and produce. But if you look at the Yankee bottom of the order, I mean, Peraza, Higashioka, and Marwin Gonzalez. Remember, Marwin Gonzalez just snapped like an 0 for 30 or something like that the other day. So it's not like you can even look at it in that context and say, well, you have faith in the bottom of the lineup to be able to produce and get on base, and then Judge could maybe have some run-producing opportunities when the lineup rolls around again to the top. No. 
Like, the, the only sense I get out of it is, okay, if he bats first, he's going to get the most at-bats or the best chance of getting the most at-bats out of anybody. And maybe he might be in situations where, again, why would you pitch to him? Especially given the fact what I just said. If you look at the bottom of the batting order for the Yankees, do you have any confidence that those guys are even going to be on base? You know, so more often than not, Judge is going to come up there with nobody on, and then if you're Kevin Cash or if you're any other team out there, you're just going to issue the intentional walk. Free pass. Don't let this guy beat you. I mean, it's it's really not rocket science when trying to beat the Yankees and how to approach this lineup. Yankees also did the Jeter Hall of Fame thing earlier tonight. I mean, I I didn't get a chance to see it because we were, you know, on the air doing our thing, but... I don't know, it just seems like it's it got lost a little bit, right? It just seems like it got lost. You know, Jeter went in the Hall of Fame, like, last September. And I guess that he still had the Marlins commitment through last season. So maybe they couldn't plan anything out. And Jeter hasn't made many trips back to Yankee Stadium since he retired. But why would you do it on a Friday night, the start of the NFL season, in the month of September? Like, it, it just, I don't know. It seems like it gets lost. A guy like him probably deserves a little bit more. I mean, they gave, you know, Paul O'Neill had his own day in August, and that was a Sunday afternoon. Usually when you do these, like, ceremonies and stuff, they're, they're afternoon games. They're day games. But a Friday night? When half the people maybe have, like, one eye fixed on football already or are thinking football and not necessarily in, you know, baseball terms? I don't know. Maybe there was a conflict on his end, perhaps, and they couldn't make this whole thing work when talking about Jeter. Um, elsewhere, as I said, last night, the season did kick off officially, and it was all Bills. Sloppy game, not one they're going to put uh, as an all-time classic, not when you have seven turnovers in the game between them. And look, as we know, when you now live in this NFL world in the preseason where the starters don't play much, and once week one hits, that's really the first extended playing time that these guys are going to get out there collectively, that's why you have some of these sloppy results on the field. And you're probably going to see some of that stuff on Sunday. You know, hopefully not too much in one of our local games, but, you know, play is really something that needs a couple of weeks to get going here with the regulars. You know, that's how they get that rust off, and that's how they, you know, establish that, you know, continuity with their teammates. And, you know, rosters change hands in the NFL. So last night I thought was proof positive of that, but, you know, once the dust settled, and, you know, when all was said and done, the Bills were the far superior team on the field last night. And it is amazing, too. Like, you got the Rams, Super Bowl champions, you know, L.A., all this nonsense. And yet you had Matthew Stafford when they were on offense last night in a home game having to resort to using the silent snap count to drown out the Bills fans that were in that stadium. Okay, this is 3,000 miles away. And just goes to show you, like, they don't really have, like, I, I don't know. I, I question legitimately, like, how diehard and how legitimate are the fans out there in Los Angeles, like, for the Rams. And I know the Rams have a history out there once upon a time. I get that. You know, but they went to St. Louis for a while. And sure, last year was great because they won and they were Super Bowl champions and everybody and their mother is going to come along and jump on the bandwagon when things are going well. But that wasn't a great home field advantage last night, not when your quarterback is having to use the silent count. 
But the Bills are good. In case you needed any further verification, the Bills are a good football team. And you saw that last night. And I mentioned it when I was on with Don and Peter at the end of the K show. rest of the NFL is going to have a Josh Allen problem here pretty soon. Not pretty soon. I think they have one already. And specifically, if you're a team like the Jets or the Dolphins or the Patriots and you're in that division and you have any sort of hopes and designs of maybe winning that division, you got to deal with this guy. And you got to deal with this guy for the next 10 years, the next 15 years, whatever. And he ain't going anywhere. And isn't it funny how for two decades we sat here and looked at the Patriots and saw them do their thing, and you were just saying, one of these years, don't know when it's going to happen, but one of these years, Brady's no longer going to be the Patriot quarterback, Belichick is no longer going to be the Patriots coach, and there's going to be an opportunity for somebody to seize control of this division. Somebody is going to have the chance for better days ahead. And just like that, as Brady leaves Tampa Bay, or excuse me, leaves New England to go down to Tampa Bay, almost instantaneously, it became Josh Allen and Buffalo's division. And it's like the opportunity went poof. Now, I'm not going to say that they're going to have a run like the Patriots did. We're never going to see that again, ever, in our lifetimes. That type of success for as long as New England was able to engineer that. But Josh Allen is now the quarterback. And I don't have to remind Jet fans. I mean, think about it. You know, I don't know if it's going to be another Ken O'Brien, Dan Marino situation from 83. But in 2018, Jets were picking third. They took Sam Darnold. Josh Allen went a few picks later to the Buffalo Bills. And now he's sitting here and he's not just beating you. He's beating the rest of the NFL. And it could be Josh Allen's NFL for some years to come. And he played. Think about it. He threw two picks last night. And he still played an unbelievable game. Rams got some work to do. I don't I don't know what the Rams are doing. I don't know if the Rams, you know, were still living the good life and enjoying the Super Bowl too much and the parties and the celebrations and all those things. I don't know if that's what they were up to, but they didn't look like they were ready to play football last night. And remember, the defending Super Bowl champion, more often than not in these season openers, they win. They were like 19-3 and before last night in the season opener. But it didn't happen. And the Rams, you know, I know Andrew Whitworth was there. The old left tackle who retired after the Super Bowl. He was there for the, you know, the trophy ceremony they were doing before the game. Maybe they need to call Andrew Whitworth and tell him he needs to stop. Or, you know, call Andrew Whitworth and say, hey, you think you got a couple more snaps in you? Because they're hurting right now in that offensive line. Two new starters. Two new starters. And they lost their starting center last night for two to four weeks. And I don't know how healthy Stafford is or not. You know, remember he had that whole elbow situation? I mean, he played okay, but the Rams couldn't run the ball last night. And it was just open season for that Buffalo pass rush. And Stafford had a miserable, miserable night. He was picking himself off the turf all night long. Bills are good. Bills are a good team. I don't think I have to tell anybody. When do they um when do they cross pass with the Jets on the schedule here? It's it's middle of the season, I think. It is. It comes up here. Oh, November. November the 6th is the first matchup. They come to MetLife. Jets go to Buffalo on December the 11th. Probably going to be nice and chilly that afternoon. So, yeah, that is the state of affairs right now in the NFL. Might be the Bills' year.
Who knows? Uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little more Jet football. Greg Buttle, all-time great Jet linebacker, also my partner on the Jet pre- and post-game shows here on 98.7. He will join us talk about Sunday's game and the upcoming season. Dan Gross' show till 10, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Dan Grass's show, 98.7 ESPN on this football Friday. First one of the 2022 season. As you probably know, Jets kick off the season on Sunday afternoon at MetLife Stadium against the Baltimore Ravens. That is where I will be. Of course, anchoring the Jet pre- and post-game show, we begin at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. And my partner for season number five, if you can believe it, time flies when you're having fun. It is none other than the former Jet great linebacker himself, number 51. He is Greg Buttle. And for the first time, he is a guest on the Dan Grasso Show. Greg, how exciting is this for you? I, I, I can't tell you. I, I don't think I've been on anybody else's show that I'd rather be on more than yours. <laughs> and I know that you mean that with all sincerity as well. How you doing? Are you excited about this season getting underway? Well, think about it. I, I mean, we, we, we talked in the off season, and uh, and I remember after the season last year, uh, uh, you and I both commented, you know what, this season will be just around the corner, and it was. And next thing you know is you go from one season to the next, and next thing you know it's five years that you and I have been doing this, and you find out that uh, you, you get to, to know some of the callers that are always calling, and it's uh, a lot of a lot of Jet fans are more excited about this season than they've been in a long time. No doubt about it. And look, there's been some bumps in the road here just trying to get to Week One, as you know. We'll talk about, of course, on Sunday, and it's already been well chronicled. And you know, might as well just start with the latest one that came down this morning, and that is when Robert Sala said that Dwayne Brown is dealing with a shoulder injury. So he was brought in to replace Mekhi Becton. Now, Dwayne Brown can't even play, and it's going to be the rookie, Max Mitchell, who's going to be starting at right tackle, a guy with no NFL experience. How do you compensate for something like that? Oh, you know what? I, I don't think you compensate for it. I mean, you can plan around it, but you, you, there's no compensation. The guy's got to be able to play. I mean, you can't, you can't just go out there and get crushed. I mean, uh, I, I think that's, that would be a, 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 a bad mistake. But you can bet the Jets have enough tight ends that they can have tight ends in there to help them if that's the case. But, uh, I, again, once you do that, now you take a lot of things out of what you're going to do offensively. And I think the Jets' uh, tight end rotation 
is really what uh, the, the, is going to be their mainstay main, main, uh, this year within the offensive passing game. And that's something we've talked about for, I mean, certainly as long as you and I have been doing this, the tight end has really not made much of an impact, at least in terms of the offense in the passing game. And, and you and I have been talking about this here for the last couple of weeks that, you know, that should change this year. When you talk about Uzama and Conklin and, you know, if Cager gets opportunities, Rucker at the rookie, you should expect to see some tight ends actually factoring into the passing game this season, no? Well, I, I did. I, I, we, we saw a snippet of it in the uh, in preseason where uh, you got to see Tyler Conklin and um, Lawrence Cager was a little surprising. And I don't know to what extent he will be used, but the point being is that they were using him. They were using all of them. I, I think that as, as we we've talked about before many times is you know the running back situation is as good as it's been over the last ten years. And I, I don't think that there's a real big difference, no matter who is going to play. Uh, the, the kid, Brees Hall, that got out of the draft, I, I think is going to be very good in the league. But again, you, you know me with the running game. So what? Right. Uh, it's all about throwing the ball and scoring touchdowns through the air. If for those that don't know, and for those that aren't a faithful listener to our shows on game day, Greg is not exactly the number one fan of running the football. He is an air-it-out type of guy. So when it comes to airing it out, starts with the quarterback, and we know that the Jets are going to have a different quarterback to start the season here in Joe Flacco. Do you think the offense changes dramatically with Flacco in there as opposed to Zach Wilson? You know, I, 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 would, I would say I don't think it changes dramatically because – they're they're not going to change the offense around uh, around uh, Joe Flacco. It's 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 going to be uh, the offense that they've been running for for uh, I guess the last two years now. And isn't that special? They've run the same offense for two years. Yeah, that right. You you have you have Joe Flacco who certainly can throw the ball. Um, maybe Joe Flacco is going to be more comfortable throwing it to. Uh, the slot receivers as opposed to the wideouts or the tight ends. I don't know yet. I don't know how he's playing it in practice because there is a big thing about that in, in, in practice when uh, your quarterback coach and your offensive coordinator talk with the quarterback. They're talking about what are the comfortable plays that he's comfortable with, whether it's, uh, it, it's booting to, his, to, the, to the left side of the field that he may not be comfortable with. They're not going to do that with him. They may do it with, with, with Zach Wilson, but they're not going to do it with Flacco. Uh, they know that Joe Flacco is not going to be the, that type of guy that's going to be uh, fleet of foot, so to speak. Yeah. But he's he's going to be able to be in the pocket. So uh, the pocket would be important for them. But <laughs> all of a sudden, their offensive tackle, Dwayne Brown's not playing. They got a rookie in there. So so all of these little things that that, that work uh, may change a game plan. Uh, I, I would tell you right now, if they're not throwing the ball. In, in the third step for the first for the first quarter, I would be shocked. One, two, three, throw. One, two, three, throw. And that's going to be important on your wide receivers, your slot receivers, and, and your running backs to make that work. And you also want to make sure, because like you said, if it's going to be predicated on timing so much, I wonder at least in the early portion of the season, like week one, does that hurt in any way because they have not played all that much together during the preseason, right? And, and that would be the one thing that I maybe am concerned a little bit about going into the real thing. 
Well, you, you know what? You, you, it, it, that's a, that's a, a, a point that you could uh, argue for a long time, but you, you would think that professionally speaking, uh, listen, they, they've been around, they know the timing, they know what it should be, they know, they know what to expect. So it's not like it's brand new to them. Maybe for, for Garrett Wilson it might be, but uh, the, the Jets have pretty much a, 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 when I say veteran receiver group, I mean, they're not over five years, but I'm just saying is that they've already played. They've, they've done some things that uh, I've really liked in preseason, especially Garrett Wilson. But, you know, you're going to have Corey Davis that no one even knows he's on the team from last year. <laughs> you know, you've got uh, a, a lot of a lot of chances. Brexton Barrios, I mean, didn't even really see him in preseason. No. You know, so, I, I, again, a, a lot of these wide receivers, we're going to find out how good they are. And – Certainly, if, if anybody watched any type of uh, snippet from the Buffalo Bill Los Angeles Rams game, you see what timing is. It's one, two, three, bang, one, two, three, bang. And, uh, and I will tell you something, the Buffalo Bills ran that type of offense in the first half tremendously. The only turnovers they had really were tip passes and the fumble, but right. I thought that that was, that was tremendous. Greg Buttle joining us here on the Dan Gronser Show, 98.7 ESPN. He'll join me, of course, each and every Sunday for Jet Pre and Post. We get underway this week at 11 a.m. from MetLife Stadium. I'm curious in your career, because the, the angle with Flacco, okay, he's playing the Ravens. It's his old team. He's four years removed from playing with Baltimore. You know, I don't even know how many guys off the top of my head – played with him that are still on the team you know some of the coaches certainly John Harbaugh was the head coach he knows him but you as a defensive player if you lined up and played against a quarterback that was on your team is that a big advantage for the defense in any way I I don't I don't buy into that I I I buy I don't buy into this is the team that that played last year Uh, again because Every single year, Dan, is different. I don't care if you're the Los Angeles Rams who won the Super Bowl. Game one was a little different for them this year than they expected. And right. so you don't know what you're going to get out of your own football team, let alone uh, the competition. So everything is different. And I don't think that there's a big bearing on the fact that Joe Flacco played for the Ravens and, uh, you know, he's going to go make a statement out there. I don't think that that is even entering his mind. He's more worried and more concerned about how their offense is going to rock and roll and can they, they, they sustain drives and can they make big plays and can they not get pressured on themselves to make mistakes. And I think that's the biggest thing that he's thinking about right now. How good could this defense be? If everybody stays healthy, you know, you're getting Lawson back, among others, plus the other additions they made, draft free agency. How good could this defense be, you think? Boy, I, I, will, I, will, I will tell you something. It's, it's, it's questionable only because we haven't seen it. And, again, you, you, you've got to believe your lion eyes that, that when you take a look and you see how, how they play and, and – we, along with uh, our, our whole radio team and all the Jet fans, <laughs> haven't seen this right. defense play yet. I, 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 it's a question, Dan. That's a great question. What do you think about Well, I think they have very good potential. 
I, I believe they have a very deep and strong defensive line. They've improved the secondary tremendously. I mean, you, you talk you talk about uh, uh, a, a cornerback that, and I don't want to compare them, but when you talk about cornerbacks in in uh, in, in the draft, uh, Ahmad Gardner, I, I don't think that there was one better. I mean, the kid's got range, he's got ability, he can he can run, he can play defense, he can he's got uh, great hips. They've improved their coverage skill. But again, that, that may not mean anything if you can't cover uh, Mark Andrews running down the middle. I, I mean, uh, there's, there's so many things that they can do, and the Ravens do not have a dearth of talent at the wide receiver position. No. I mean, so I, I, think, I think the Jets' defense can be good, but he, here's the big difference between being good and great, Dan. Can you force turnovers? Can you get the team that you're playing against three and out? Those are the big deals. How do you play in the red zone as a defense? Are you, who are you? What, what are you in, in the red zone? And, and I don't think we or even Jet fans know that yet. And I would tell you right now, I'm not so sure the coaching staff knows what that is. Until you get into those situations and you know, boy, I can trust this guy. And once they know that, and, uh, and, and you, you take a look at uh, defensive linemen are putting pressure, well, then you know that you can call this type of defense because uh, I've got the corners that can cover one-on-one and I've got the safeties that are going to take up uh, the, 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 the other wide receivers and the tight ends. If you can do that and you can do it consistently, you can have a really, really good, good defense because then you'll make turnovers. I think that's a great point because turnovers is something that I'm sure they acknowledge that they need to improve upon, and it makes the game easier. You know, and that's something that this defense has not really been able to do for quite some time, as you said. And you know, if they can achieve that, well, that's a whole different ball game here, literally and figuratively, about you know what type of a unit they could be. Final thing, and then I'll let you get out of dodge here. Um, you know that the weapon, the quarterback, is in Lamar Jackson. He's you know the engine that makes them go. He's dangerous with his legs. He can throw the football. From a defensive perspective, are you an advocate of maybe putting a spy on him just to make sure that he doesn't run crazy? I'm, I, I'm not an advocate of that. No. And, and, and I'm going to tell you why. Because you don't, you don't, you're taking a guy out of defense, out of coverage, to spy on the quarterback when he's not going to catch him anyway. This guy's good. I mean, that, that, that's, that may be one of the best running quarterbacks in the history of the NFL I've ever seen. I mean, this guy can make anybody miss him. And by the way, in the fourth quarter, he doesn't appear tired when he's running around. So it doesn't matter who you have on him. I think you've got to come up with, with a, a confusing scheme for him and, and make him throw the ball now and again, you, you're 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 talking about a quarterback can take off and run. Yeah. But if you get the right pass rush, and you're talking defensive tackles here, if you get those guys coming up the middle, well, then you're going to make it a hard day for Lamar Jackson because I I don't I don't I don't I don't want him to run. I want him to throw the ball. I, I want him to throw the ball. I think the Jets have a better chance if he's throwing the ball than he is running the ball. I think some would agree, but we'll see how it all plays out on Sunday. Thank you for a couple of minutes for uh, hopping on the show tonight. Your first guest appearance on the show. It's a big thrill for all of us. And uh, I look forward awesome. to seeing you again on Sunday and looking car? forward Do to I the win season. The car? 
What's that? Do I win the car? Yes, the Do car will the be car? Del- the the car gets delivered tomorrow. As a matter of fact, that's awesome. I love yeah. it. I think it's great. I know. I'm blessed. I, I could always use another catalytic converter. <laughs> I know you could. I know you could. You got plenty. All right. Thank you, my friend. You I'll it, see you Daniel. on Sunday. Right, that is on. the great Greg Buttle. You hear him with me on the Jet pregame show, postgame show. We'll be there Sunday at 11 a.m. from the Coaches Club in MetLife Stadium, kicking off our fifth season together, if you can believe it. Time flies when you're having fun. So when we come back, Jets and Giants didn't have a great season last year, naturally. But what are the trends and what are some of the statistical history show us about teams that have had poor seasons, the likelihood that they can turn it around immediately the next year. I'll let you know about that. Plus, we'll do our NFL picks as well in hour number three. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Gross' show on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. Thanks to Mr. Buttle for hopping on with us. As we roll on this first football Friday of the 2022 season, we'll go around the NFL, give you some picks as we begin our number three. Now, Jets and Giants had poor seasons last year. Don't have to remind everybody of that. Bill Barnwell, who does an outstanding job, of course, one of our uh, NFL writers for ESPN, he tweeted out that historically about one in four teams who win five games or fewer end up posting a winning record the following year. Now, last year, the Bengals and the Philadelphia Eagles both were able to accomplish that feat. Eagles had a a good season, winning season. Bengals, of course, did. They go to the Super Bowl after bad seasons the year before. Last year, you had the Jets, the Texans, the Jaguars, Panthers, Lions, Giants all win five games or less last year. So statistically, according to his one out of four, you're saying that one, maybe two tops – of those six teams, will have a winning record in 2022. Jets, Giants, Texans, Jaguars, Panthers, Lions. Who's it going to be? Who is it going to be? Well, it's not going to be the Texans. I don't think it's going to be the Jaguars. I don't buy the Lions hype, not with Jared Goff as a quarterback. Sorry. Could it be Carolina? Could Baker Mayfield actually, like, rally his team? No, I don't think so. I still think on paper, Jets have the best team out of that whole group on paper. But you got to go out there and prove it. We come back. Final hour. We go around the NFL. Look at all the week one matchups when we return. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN.